This is the Financial Tech Podcast show number six for May 23rd, 2011. It is a bright and sunny afternoon here in Omaha, Nebraska. I am here with my good friend, Andrew Hunt. How are you doing this afternoon, Andrew? Very well, sir. Glad to be back. It's good to see you. Beautiful spring in Omaha, and it's nice to get outside and enjoy that. Uh, With that comes a whole set of allergies. For sure. Yeah, and so both of us sound might sound a little scratchy. (laughs) We're a little bit more base today than we might be normally. A little bit more. Well, it's good to be with you again. I'll let folks know if they want to uh, reach the show, have comments or questions, they can send us an email, podcast at theaverageguy.tv, as well as find us on Facebook if they just drop uh, a a note in the search box that says The Average Guy Network. Um, And you can also follow me and a lot of the announcements of what's going on with the show on Twitter at... Jay Collison. So, Andrew, good to have you back. Uh, it is springtime, and with springtime comes changes. One particular change uh, that's going on uh, that's important to me is we upgraded our site. Uh, so if you go to theaverageguy.tv and check that out, it loads much, much faster, thanks to Chris, Christian Johnson, who uh, helped me out with that. He's a host on one of the other shows. So not only can you uh, you can get more faster on the new site. All so, right. Yeah, check it out. It's a good upgrade. If you haven't been out in a while, and or the last time you were out, you might have gotten frustrated with the speed of that a little bit. Um, we have that fixed, so check it out, theaverageguy.tv. Also, what comes with spring, Andrew? Graduations. Graduations. Come at spring. Graduations and snakes, Jim. A little, <laughs> little personal story here. <clears throat> I run home over the lunch break to uh, – I live pretty close to the office here, so I run home and let my new puppy out just about every day when my wife's not home. Um, and today uh, we, we live in an older part of the city – and as is with older parts, there's old walls and things like that. And apparently, uh, there's uh, all kinds of little garter snakes and black snakes that like to live in the wall by my house. And um, I'm kind of like Indiana Jones. I am deathly afraid of Don't snakes. Don't like snakes, huh? Not a fan of snakes. And so today I was letting the dog out, and there was rustling in the bush behind me. And I'm fairly certain there was a snake back there, so that means that I no, no longer can walk in my backyard um, until October, probably. So yeah. <laughs> well, they won't bite you. Uh, they're pretty harmless. Right. And, well. uh, and so it's, but but certainly it's spring. It's spring in Nebraska. And, That's right. Uh, it's beautiful. I love the spring here. The bugs have yet to really show up That's yet. Right. We had lunch on the deck nice. uh, today outside. It was just fabulous. And so uh, good good to be outside and good to be doing some other than wearing a jacket. So we're That's excited right. about that. So with spring uh, comes graduations as well. You've graduated from school and, and it actually just recently passed a certification. Is that right? Yeah, well, I graduated a while ago, but I recently passed the Certified Financial Planner exam. I'm not able to use the designation yet. I still have to pass the background check and, and uh, finish all that application. But I passed the exam, which is a really important step and uh, probably the most difficult step. And so it's a huge relief, and we're really excited at uh, Guide Rock Capital uh, to add that uh, extra That's great. certification. Yeah, great. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Exciting to uh, kind of watch you go through that. And yeah. and your gradu- your school graduation, your master's degree, right, your MBA, yep. was back in the – was that in the winter, February, March? Uh, yes, that, that was back in December I, I okay. graduated. Was it that long ago? Yeah, wow. it was a while ago. Boy, I thought it seemed like just yesterday. Yep. Okay. It seems like just yesterday, and I thought it would be timely because you had a, one of your children graduate. I do. High school recently. I do. Yeah, he graduated just a couple of weeks ago and is making his way down to Kansas City for college. Oh man! And of course, 
as we all know, uh, with graduation from either college or high school comes some big financial changes. And I really, um, you know, it's been a little while since I've actually gone through the high school to college transition, but I think there's a lot of folks that are starting to tiptoe into those waters. And so I thought it'd be really cool to talk about both sides of it. How do you start paying for college? How do you find the funding? And then how do you start paying it back afterwards? Um, so maybe we could just jump right in with some of those yeah, questions. Sounds great. And uh, and by the way, guys, too, you know, obviously I blog about a lot of different financial topics out at our blog, which is gallopfcu.blogspot.com. Um, and we actually recently blogged about this back in February. This was the first uh, first blog post in February where I really spelled out all the different types of funding that you can get out there. But I thought we'd just kind of go through today and talk about. What was the process like? Yeah, student loan, uh, or at least finding student loans, it's, it's, uh, I, I think they're trying to make it easier, but it still is not a very easy process, at least from my standpoint. Oh, yeah. So I'm kind of looking forward to going through this and you, you kind of picking my brain about my experience. Sure. Well, I remember very vividly um, getting ready to go to college and sitting in my basement with my dad over my shoulder, filling out the, this lovely, gorgeous, beautiful form called the FAFSA. And I don't, I don't know. I think they've, I know they've upgraded because I. It's, it's completely online now. That's so, okay. And, and over the last three years, so I've had students in college for three years now, and each year it does get better. They actually make improvements to it. It gets easier. Uh, for example, this year you could take last year's information and just port it over into the new application. So Wow, that's an, great. Yeah, an improvement because there's tons <laughs> of information that's the same, right? No that's matter, right, yeah. No matter what. And so they, they continue to make improvements for the FAFSA. Yeah, because when I did it, uh, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, it was, um, you know, I think it took two hours yeah. and it was like pulling t- fingernails off. And then, of course, you know, I had to get my parents tax information. Right. Um, you say it's all online. Well, what's some of the information they're asking for? Yeah, you know, typical stuff. Uh, I mean, really, they're just trying to verify your name, uh, contact information, and then and then the, the tax return is still very important. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the information that you would fill out for your taxes, you're going to fill out in the FAFSA. So once you have your tax returns done, the FAFSA actually goes pretty quick. I probably filled each one out in about 15 or 20 minutes mm-hmm. um, uh, for the two of the kids that will be returning to college next year. So are you kind of in a routine then? I mean, obviously, um, you know, it's advantageous to fill out the FAFSA early, and I'll talk about why here in a second. But, uh, you know, how would you – do you, I mean, you're doing it every year. So do you have a month that you try and check it yeah, out? Yeah, I do it right after I complete my taxes because oh, okay. you need the tax information. So. Sure. Um, so the first step is get the taxes done and, and get the taxes done for the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and yes, I do my kids' taxes, uh, <laughs> at least at this point. And then once, the, uh, once those taxes are done, you have all the information that you need uh, to fill out the FAFSA. So, um, you know, I usually just Google, Google it because I can never remember FAFSA.ed.edu. Right. Right. I'm like FAFSA.com or whatever. <laughs> right. So I just Google it. It takes me right to the site. Um, log in. Now, it is a little confusing. They have some PIN information right. um, that, that they have you use, and I can never seem to get the PIN information right. So I have to ask for a reset, and that takes a day or two, and it's kind of a nightmare. Right. Uh, that part, the verification part, is kind of a nightmare. That part, if you've lost or are missing something or you get messed up in the system, can take a couple days to get it corrected. Yeah, and that PIN is actually really pretty important because, you know, I'm in the repayment section of my student loans now. And believe it or not, the PIN I picked when I was 18 years old, <laughs> getting ready to fill out same the password for the same PIN. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that kind of sticks with you. Um, you know, one thing I get asked a lot as, you know, somebody that's fairly familiar with student loans, unfortunately, is, uh, <laughs> is why is it so important to fill out the FAFSA early? 
Um, I, you know, I don't know if they actually advertise this or if it's just uh, something I've picked up over the years, but um, if you forget to fill out the FAFSA um, until, let's say, middle of the summer or the fall, rather than right after you do your taxes in April right. or March, um, what happens is is that you're not eligible for the best student aid out there. Really? Right. Yeah. So if you're not if you're not completing the FAFSA early, then your name doesn't go into the hat for the really great subsidized Stafford loans or even the, the great Perkins loans uh, that are out there. And you could miss those opportunities because especially Perkins loans, which are the loans that come straight through the university, are on a first-come, first-served basis. So if your FAFSA isn't in there to demonstrate that you do, in fact, have a need, then the university is already doling out that aid to other students. And once it's out, it's gone. And so you could potentially miss out on some really great, uh, cheap, um, advantageous borrowing programs if you don't do that FAFSA early. So if you're listening to this, guys, and you've got a kid starting school in the fall and you haven't filled out the FAFSA, hurry up, run out there and do it. You want to you wanna hustle up and get it done as soon as possible. And like Jim's saying, I think it, I think it goes pretty quick. Yeah, and I think the deadline is June 1st to mm-hmm. get that completely filled out for the next calendar year. I have three students in school, um, and I have a... Uh, soon to be senior, a senior, soon to be junior, and then an incoming, incoming freshman, and and actually my junior is contemplating going in the Air Force, and I held off on his FAFSA, oh. and he may not make it in this calendar year. Oh my goodness! So uh, actually, as we're thinking of this, I'm thinking, you know, I should probably go out and get that FAFSA filled out. I had a problem with this pin, and so I stopped. And oh, I thought, yeah. Well, he's going to go in the Air Force, so I don't really need to do this this year. Well, I probably should get that filled out one way or another. It's just not in like case. It, yeah, just in case. So right. probably get that filled out this week with uh, deadline uh, looming as of the middle of next week. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I could help uh, <laughs> serve yeah. as a reminder right. for that. Yeah, for sure. So, so when you know, I think find a lot of financial aid awards are coming back now. Um, have you found that it's it's been more difficult to get the federal aid, or you have to look for private aid out there? And you know, there's been quite a few changes in 2008, 2009, where it got a lot harder to find private aid. What's the what's the environment like there out there, Jim? Yeah, you know, the um, we've had varying experiences. The federal aid, uh, of course, I, I make too much money for for my kids to qualify for federal aid in most cases. And so um, that I get I always get those letters back that just say, oh, I'm sorry, you know. Your, the family contribution is this. And that, that part has not been what I've hoped for. Now, my oldest son gets married this summer. Um, he, will, he will file his own taxes next year. He'll begin to qualify for Pell Grants oh, there you uh, go. for some of the, the work that he does over the next two years after this year. Um, that'll ease up for him some. Uh, the, the son going in the Air Force, of course, is, the, the Air Force is going to take care of his student loans going forward <laughs> and, and, uh, and those in the future as well. So he's setting himself up. The, the uh, incoming freshman, that process actually worked a little bit different for us. We heavily relied on the, the guidance counselor and the, the financial aid officer at the good school he's going to down in Kansas City. And they actually, with very little work on our part, actually secured well over two-thirds of his school bill. Um, in scholarships and grants wow. uh, uh, for us. Wow. And so that was, I'll be honest, that was fantastic. Sure. Um, I didn't have a busy spring, and I really didn't have time to go running around tracking down scholarships and grants. They were heavily motivated to uh, to get those. They wanted him in that school, and so they tracked down wow, um, stuff great. for him. So that was a great experience. I mean, I don't know if it, I'm sure it doesn't work that way in some of the bigger schools. Uh, the school he's going down into, into Kansas City is a small liberal arts school. It's an art, you know, it's an art school. And, uh, and so with 400 students, they can give a little more attention to sure. each, and, you know, each, every, each and every student. 
But uh, so that was my experience going in. I, I, I do know, though, that there are parents who are very, very aggressive in tracking down and making sure that their students take advantage of every scholarship opportunity that's out there. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. I mean, it sounds like those those guidance counselors are uh, earning their paycheck. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah, no, and 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 it, uh, KCAI, the Kansas City Art Institute, where he's going, very expensive school, about thirty grand a year mm. uh, to be able to do that, and and he secured about twenty two thousand dollars worth wow. of scholarships for that. And we'll we'll be responsible for the other eight. And uh, he is going to take some student loans to be able sure. to to afford that. But you know, we figure uh, not a bad you know not a bad investment going in. He'll come out with some debt, but it's a really good school. And for art, that's kind of his. You know, yeah. you just can't uh, go into a state school. It's just really not an option for him mm. uh, in the degree field that he really wants to get into. That's interesting. You know, I mentioned there's been some student loan changes in the past. You know, the Gallup Federal Credit Union, where I spend part of my uh, career time, uh, we used to do student loans. Um, and with a little-known fact uh, in the business is that, you know, when the, when the insurance industry started to tank in 2009, uh, one of the big things uh, that happened was since there was no real insurance market anymore, um, the student loan market dried up. Um, because really a student loan is probably one of the most risky loans you can make because you're essentially giving a large sum of money to a kid that doesn't have a job. <laughs> and yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, inherently it doesn't work. Yeah. And so what happened was the federal government stepped in and they said, okay, we're going to do all student loans now through the federal government. And so we actually had to shut down our program in 2009. Uh, which was which was sad, you know, because you know part of our charge as a credit union is to is to help our members make great financial decisions, and of course that's best done at a young age. Um, but so now the federal government, as far as I knew, was doing a, a, most of the student loans, and I know a few lenders like the big ones, Wells Fargo, places like that, were tiptoeing back into the private market, um, and you know those those private student loans that aren't from the government are typically at a little bit higher interest rate and not as favorable terms. So that's why you always want to have the the federal loans. Uh, but it's really interesting to hear that, uh, you know, there's still scholarships and grants out there. And that's one thing that I think a lot of people forget about. You know, I was one of those kids that I don't know if I was too busy or uh, not motivated enough. I don't know what my problem was, but I didn't write a whole lot of essays to try and get grants and scholarships. And so I ended up having to pay a lot out of pocket or use student loans to pay for my education. And so now looking back when I advise with people, I always say, man, there are a ton of scholarship opportunities out there. I know even here at our, our corporate workplace that we have a ton of scholarship opportunities that sometimes, unfortunately, never receive any applications. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's horrible. I mean, there's we want to give away money, but nobody applies. And so, uh, you know, gosh, if you're listening out there and you've got a kid or, or you know, a nephew or a niece that is, is thinking about going to college, um, it's so important. Look up scholarship opportunities. That's free money. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, free money. You know, Andrew, I'll be honest with you. I um, dreaded that scholarship thing because oh, I yeah. was the same way when I was going to school. I just hated the idea of having to track down all these scholarships. And I know there's big money in that, but but I, I just – it. so I dreaded it. For the last six or seven or eight years, I dreaded it. Well, my oldest son uh, went to a junior college uh, on, schol- on full-ride scholarship, oh, wow. which I didn't even know existed. Wow. So um, check with your local junior college. There may be awards, and he applied – actually, the school helped him apply – 
uh, hit one of his teachers wrote him a letter of recommendation, wow. and he won this full ride. Well, that saved him about six grand a year Absolutely. to a local junior college. That's a great way to get started. Absolutely, uh, in that case. And so, um, yeah, we weren't very good. My my uh, second son uh, was awarded a scholarship because of his ACT score. Oh, nice. Uh, now he promptly uh, uh, lost that scholarship oh, no. because of some silly. Right, you know, you make some silly decisions. Uh, students are probably not listening to this podcast, but parents <laughs> uh, really make sure your 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 freshmen understand that they can absolutely lose those scholarships yeah. um, if they don't keep up with them. We've learned a lot of lessons on that, and one of the lessons we learned in the lending area, especially with student loans, was to really make the students own the loans. Okay, right. So we don't uh, we don't take the loans on ourselves. I I insist that my kids take the student loans and sign for those whenever they can, and then track those online. Um, you know, they, it's their login, it's their information. I ask them about it maybe mm, twice a year, but I want them to own that loan. I want them to feel that loan. I want them to experience that loan. I don't want them to think it's free money because it's not, right? I mean, right. you're in the midst of paying back your student loans right now. Right. And so I want them to understand when they're taking these loans on, eventually this is going to need to be repaid. And so far, my kids have been pretty good about feeling that. And yeah. even to the point where my oldest one, uh, it was like, ah, when can I start paying these back, Dad? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. They're subsidized. Right. You know, hold on. That interest is being, you know, is being deferred. But he doesn't like debt. And so that to me, that's a good sign that he's kind of picked up on that. However, some students just can't get through college without taking loans. Just manage that loan value wisely, right? right? Be very cautious about how much you're taking. Right. If, you know, if you can go to a less expensive school and get a similar degree, go to the less expensive school in that case. Now, that, you know, the opinions vary on yeah, that absolutely. for sure. But to come out of college saddled with $120,000 in debt can be brutal. Yeah. You know, and I think this comes to a really, really interesting question, Jim, that you know, we've been thinking a lot about in the, in the credit union and in our conversations that we're having with folks. And that's the discussion really of, of values and, and what, you know, what are you doing personally to instill those values in your kids? And, there, and you know, I want to preface it with, by saying there is no right answer here. You know, whether you choose to pay for all of school for your child part of school, none of school, whatever. There is no right answer. And I I always want to empower parents um, when they're thinking about this, that, um, you know, whatever you choose, it's not right or wrong. Right. Um, It's all about giving your kid uh, the opportunity to learn and to mature and to become a responsible borrower and responsible adult um, with their their student loans. And I think you made a great point there, too. I recently had a conversation with someone who was, you know, kind of struggling with, you know, do I continue on in this program? Do I do I switch to a different bachelor's degree? What should I do? And, you know, I kind of came to the conclusion with them that it really becomes, and this is a total finance term, but, but I love it when we start talking about education, it really comes to return on investment, right? If you can go out and get a college degree for $25,000, and your, your first job that you get out of college, your average salary is $40,000, that seems like a pretty good deal. But if you can go get a degree for $40,000 and get a job paying $25,000 right out of school, there's not a whole lot of line up there, right? What if, what if you spend so much on a journalism degree that you can only ever earn, the, maybe the max salary you can ever earn for that particular degree is $60,000, but you spent 100000 because you went to an Ivy League school and borrowed right. all the way through, that's a negative return on investment. You know, that's, some people might shrug away from that, calling it high finance or something, but really just think about 
is the value of what you're paying for in line with the actual cost? And I think that's missed and so important in this conversation. Yeah, unfortunately, though, Andrew, the market is set up in a way that some of those uh, let's take education, for example, right? right? Uh, the, the real money in education isn't made at, until you get to the very highest levels. Sure. Those very highest levels require very advanced degrees. Absolutely. And social work is in the same way, right? You can't do a social work unless you've got a master's degree. And oftentimes, you can rack up 60, 70, mm-hmm. 80 to work in a $30,000 a year job. Absolutely. Right? That's very, very stressful and has a very high burnout rate. Um, and so those are situations when we look at it's you, you just shake your head. There's nothing we, you and I can do about it. That's right. It, right. Yeah. It, it just is. Yeah. And for people who are deciding to get into those careers, it's a tough deal. I mean, I watch teachers struggle Absolutely. Uh, to get their master's degree and spend a ton of money. And then, like I said, most in, in most cases, they're going to earn 40, 50 uh, as a teacher. And, and we just don't pay our teachers enough. That's, yeah, that's probably tragedy. another Absolutely. another problem here. Uh, but, you know, one of the things we've tried to instill, though, and in, in along this idea in the kids is them understanding how, how much they're going to borrow. Now, at this point, we've, we've told them, and they don't listen to the podcast, so I'm, I'm good here, <laughs> is that they're paying it all back, right? right. It's all on them because I, I really want them to feel that, the burden of responsibility. And then when they start paying it off, we're going to actually match their payments. Oh, that's so great. we're going to help them out. So instead of paying for it up front or paying half of it up front or, or, or whatever, we're going to, I want them to take on that responsibility and feel it because I think mm-hmm. it'll make them more responsible when they're going to school. Mm-hmm. And then we'll help them on the backside when they're, when they're starting to earn money. Sure. Yeah. You know, and I think you brought up a very important point too. I don't want to make the impression that you should only go into the fields that are the highest paying. That would be absolutely dead wrong right. because, uh, you know, and like we said, teacher salary is a total <laughs> tragedy in our, in our world. Um, but I think the more to the point that I was trying to make is that, you know, if you are called to social work or if you are called to be a teacher, then you have to even more so manage the amount of debt you're taking. Yeah. Um, it, it becomes that much more important to to participate in the scholarship programs, participate in after school programs like Teach for America and some of these other things that you can do to have your debt expunged. Um, and there's tons of opportunities like that out there. And it's so, so important. Um, I think the next thing that would be kind of interesting to talk about, too, because I'm in this process, it's very timely for me, is what happens when you have to start paying those student loans back? Uh, you know, I spent uh, a significant amount of time accruing student loans, uh, undergraduate and graduate school. And then I got to the point where it was like, okay, gosh, it's time to start paying these things back. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of like your son. I don't like having debt out there. And so I started wading through the process of, of how to repay these student loans. And let me tell you, it wasn't easy to figure it all out. Um, you know, there's a few really great websites that I want to reference for you guys so you can go out there and, and find where your student loans are. And the first one is there's a national student loan database that you can go out to, and, and all of your student loans should be pulling in there um, and reporting where you can find a full summary. And it's www.nslds.ed.edu, and that's the National Student Loan Data System. Um, and I, you know, it took several phone calls for me to figure out that that site existed. And once I found that, it gave me kind of a, a brief summary of the student loans that I had out there. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. I, uh, I you know, eight, eight years of college, I had, uh, I had 15 student loans out there. Wow. So that's a lot to wrangle. Now, some of them ranged from, you know, $700 all the way up to 6000 right? I had all different types of student loan types and, and amounts and things like that because I needed some monies sometimes and other times I tried to pay out of pocket. And so I had quite a few out there that I needed to track down. 
And so what I did and what I would encourage all of you who, who are coming out of college or who still have a lot of student loans hanging out there is I created a list of all of my information where I could have it easily accessible. And what I included was um, the lender, the initial lender of whom I signed the promissory note to. So it might be um, you know, Wells Fargo or Nelnet or uh, Great Plains. These are some of the big names, uh, lend- student loan lenders out there. And then I also had to find the servicer because you know over the course of a decade of school almost, uh, these loans get bought and sold by different lenders, mm-hmm. just like mortgages. Mm-hmm. And so I had to find out who the servicer was. Um, and there's good news. There's only four servicers in the United States. So you can find them. Um, if you're in the Midwest, it's likely going to be Nelnet because they're out of Lincoln. Um, and then I had to find their payoff address. And then I had to find the payoff amount. And then, of course, I needed the interest rate. And so now I kind of have this running tally of the student loans I have out there, all 15 of them. Andrew, were you making a single payment to all those? Is that And they were being applied just kind of however? I assume there's some kind of math that would right. That would yeah, work. when I make when I send in my payments, I actually before consolidation would have to send in a total payment of all the minimum payments of these student loans, okay. and then it would be applied accordingly. Um, and that is why, because I had 15 out there, um, and some of them were at variable interest rates, so they're really low right now, which is great. But over the next 10 years, while I'm trying to pay these back, they could go up. Right. So I chose to consolidate my student loans. And there's only one place where you can consolidate your student loans. Thank you, federal government. And it's mm-hmm. at loanconsolidation.ed.gov. And, um, and that is the Fed Direct Consolidation Program. And it was really important for me to have that, that spreadsheet of where my loans were when I filled out my consolidation, because that's exactly the information they wanted to know. Um, and you can do it all online anymore. I mean, these websites, uh, basically, it's just a fillable PDF. So you just fill in all of your information, send it across to them electronically, and they start processing the consolidation. Now, I want to be wary. I'll tell you guys a little bit of, of you know, you have to be kind of strategic when you choose to consolidate your loans. Um, because there are certain loans out there, like Perkins loans that we talked about, that are really advantageous. They're through the, the, the university, typically. And a Perkins loan has a longer repayment schedule, and the interest rate is very, very low. And so, you know, there's not a huge portion of my student loan balance out there in Perkins loans, but the ones that I had, I wanted to keep because those are going to be the cheapest loans, and those are the ones that I didn't want to consolidate. And you can choose to not consolidate some of your loans. So be careful about that. Look through all of your stuff. Make sure that you're only consolidating the variable interest rates with the, with the worst repayment terms, uh, and so you can have the, the nice, easy one-lump payment. But it's okay to have a few other payments that you have to make, too. That's good to know. You know, I, I'm not there yet, and and actually, I'll never be there because uh, I'll have my kids do it. But yeah. it's good to know as a parent, you know, as they get through school and get out, if they have those questions, uh, there's some options there for them. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? And tracking this down was the hardest part, tracking where everything is. And, and you know, that took me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to overestimate, but I, I think it took me about an hour and a half to, to really put all the information together. I made a couple phone calls to my different servicers. And, uh, you know, it took quite a bit of time, uh, which was uh, you know, Kind of, kind of stinks to have to spend so much time to pay somebody back, but uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you do it one time and you're done. We'll, um, I'll put those in the show notes, yeah. and uh, and so if you know somebody who has a student that just recently graduated, um, or somebody who you know has students who've graduated in the past and maybe struggling to find these links, you can send them over to theaverageguy.tv and search for this podcast, and we'll have those links in the show notes. 
That sounds great. And that's really all I have on student loans today. I would love, you know, listeners out there, I would love to hear your stories about student loans. Everybody has a unique scenario, it seems like, when it comes to student loans because it's such a unique situation. Going to school is different for everybody. So please email us. uh, Give us your comments or questions. Um, If I don't know the answer, I can likely research it. And, gosh, we'd love to hear your feedback. Excellent. And they can send that to podcast at the average guy. Dot TV. Andrew, we're coming to the end of our podcast. and uh, But the one more thing, you put in the show notes, uh, this website that you really liked, thrive.com. Actually, it's just thrive. Just thrive. Yeah. And it's uh, we've talked about mint.com in the past. Mint is a very popular uh, personal finance and budgeting website. And just thrive is similar, um, but it really kind of has a bent on helping you pay down debt. Um, It's a really kind of nifty website, similar to some of those previous websites that I've enjoyed, like Wasabe, which is no longer business, but just thrive.com. You can go out there and uh, input your information. It can help put together a schedule to pay down your debt. You can do some budgeting. You can do some retirement savings. It's a really neat program, and uh, I, I hope listeners take advantage of it. Awesome. We'll, cl- we'll have that included in the show notes as well. Well, Andrew, another week has come and gone. We've been getting some good feedback on the podcasts, and uh, if you enjoy what we do, you got some comments, suggestions, you just like to write in and tell us what you're doing, we love your feedback, podcast at theaverageguy.tv. Again, you can find us on Facebook. Just to type in search the average guy podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Collison. And Andrew, you recently changed your Twitter. If folks want to follow you, that is what now? Andrew D. Hunt. Ah, that's pretty easy. Yep. I should be able to remember that uh, coming up here in the future. I want to remind folks, we also do two other podcasts on a weekly basis. Well, the, the fitness tech we get about every 10 days. So if you're interested in fitness, uh, fitness for the average guy, you can go over to theaverageguy.tv and listen to fitness tech. We also have a home tech show. It's actually doing really, really well from a, a number standpoint. And we actually broadcast on Ustream live each Thursday night at 7 and then record that and drop it to theaverageguy.tv. That is open for you to listen to as well. Andrew, we'll do it all again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining me today. No problem. Thanks, Jim. All right. Have a great one. All right.